You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Shooting guard C.J. McCollum will stop by. And also the comedian Bob Saget will join us as well. Your phone calls are welcome. Emails, tweets. Jump into the chat row if you'd like. Boys are working on their own T-shirt. Tyler, the moderator, taking over with the uh, chat room. Keeping an eye on them. Paulie's here. Seton's at home. McLovin at home. Fritzy's at home. And we hope you are doing well, being safe. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. And you can watch, if you like, on youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. The big German at the helm there with his sidekick, his trusty Robin to his Batman, Dylan, who once got us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics for us. You move up quickly here on the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, let me see. Uh, we're also part of the Fox Sports Radio lineup, 362 radio affiliates around the country. NBA pushed back its date to reopen practice facilities yesterday. They were looking for May 1st. Now they're going to look for May 8th here. This is what I don't want to hear and don't want to see. The commissioner, Adam Silver, said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to set arbitrary dates for us to return. Because what it does is it provides false hope. Also, as a citizen, you think, wow, the NBA is coming back. Maybe we've gotten through the worst of this pandemic. I, I think it gives us false hope there. We all want the NBA to come back. I just get nervous when we say, you know what? We're going to start college football on time. We don't know that. We're going to have the Olympics next July. We don't know that. It's nice to dream about it. But these people who are in these positions we tend to think they have more information than us. And then you start to realize maybe they don't. So May 8th right now, and it's a lot for the league to figure out. And you got states who have different rules. Competitive balance is an issue. If one state says, hey, you can come back, and another state says, no, you can't. Like the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks, they would be at a decided disadvantage here. You're going to limit four players in the facility at once. Players have to be 12 feet apart while on the court. That sounds like me when I was playing defense in high school. The NBA is not alone. Other leagues are going to face the same issues as they try to get back to business. And for better or for worse, sports will be a viable barometer of really how we're doing as a country. We keep saying we need sports to kickstart the economy. To kickstart the economy with sports, you have fans going to sporting events. We're not kickstarting an economy here. And I hope that we're not hinging all of our bets the future on sports coming back that will kickstart our economy. It's not easy. It's a chance for the leagues to shine by making smart and safe decisions here. Golf will come back. Golf's going to be the first sport to come back. And I understand that you can do that. You can have robotic cameras. You have, you know, social distancing already. You know, you're going to walk separately. Uh, you know, is there a way that you don't have to touch the pin uh, when the ball goes in the hole, like there's things that they still have to figure out here. But golf could still come back, and I think you could have events. You just won't have a gallery there. You're going to come back for football? You're not going to come back for football and have fans come back. Students won't be back, but we're going to expect football players to come back. As far as the NFL goes, there are already contingency plans of what they plan on doing. You know, are you going to move back the Super Bowl? Probably a couple of weeks and you're going to probably start the season a little bit later. Like, these are just thoughts. These, these, are, these are things being discussed right now. And I take you back to whatever, whatever it was a, a month ago when I said that they're looking at a 12-game schedule in the NFL. 
Like that might be best case scenario. You might look at it as worst case scenario, but that might be best case scenario where you have a 12 game schedule. Um, you know, the Sports Business Journal had a report that detailed contingency plans, possibly starting the NFL in October, pushing the Super Bowl back to late February. I was told that they wanted to do the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend because then that gave you that Monday off, so you actually had a holiday for people with the Super Bowl. So that might not be a crazy thing. You might eliminate the bye weeks here. There would be no Pro Bowl, and but nobody would notice. But the NFL is a big story. And if they get to that point where they start making their contingency plans, the other leagues will follow. Jeff Passan, who I have great respect for, works for the mothership. He said, you know, according to sources, we're having baseball in 2020. Okay. I don't know how we're having it because I can't say, hey, let's use all these tests for our athletes. But do people who really need these tests, are they able to get those? You just can't sit there and go, hey, we get tested every single day we go in. Okay. People who are still needing tests, that's not a good look. Not a good look at all. Are we going to come up with a vaccine? I can't imagine fans going back without a vaccine. And they say the vaccine, according to the medical community, is 12 to 18 months out. That's why when we go, hey, everything's returning to normal. There is no normal anymore. This is different. And how we adapt to this is really important. What we expect. It's like the draft. We adapted to it. We accepted it. How we go to sporting events, where we sit at sporting events, when we come back from sporting events, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same and may never be the same. But that's why I think patience is really important. But when I see doctors in a quote, fans may not be in stadiums until well into 2021. We can hope for this. We can say we're America. We get through this. We got to get through the pandemic first, and then we get through to, hey, now we can go out and enjoy things that we took for granted, like going to a sporting event. We all need it. The, the economy, the country, we need it. We understand that. But you can't push up this time frame. And it's dangerous when we do it because I think it gives false security, false hope, and a false sense of in, you know, invincibility. This, this program brought to you by LegalZoom. They made it easy to set up an, uh, the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Not to get heavy to start out, but that was what was on my mind when I started to read this with the NBA. And I applauded Commissioner Adam Silver when a month ago he said, I'm not going to give you time frames." And I said, great, that's really smart. Look at all the time frames that we've blown through. Like we ran the stop sign. We didn't even, didn't even stop. We didn't pause because we keep thinking, we're America. We'll get this done. We, of course, we're not going to stop playing sports. There's other things that we've stopped doing aside from stop playing sports. And that's where if we have the patience to say, are we safe? All it takes is one person, one athlete. And here we go again. Imagine the NBA comes back. They got all these safety guidelines in place. One guy, test positive. Then you got a Rudy Gobert situation again. Shut it all down. Baseball trying to come back. We're going to quarantine you. Hey, you got to stay in, in this city for four months. Uh, you got to stay in that city. You're going to stay in Florida for that amount of time. I mean, it's, it's crazy. 
really is. I mean, Mike Trout said, look, my wife's pregnant. I'm going to be self-quarantined. I can't even go to for the birth of my first child. There's a lot of things we're trying to think, and we're doing it in real time. We're doing it in front of people, whether it's on the radio or on TV. We're discussing what if, hypotheticals. I get it, but it's dangerous when you have an arbitrary time frame because then we think, oh, okay, basketball's coming back. Wait, May 8th, so let's say we give them a month. So June 8th, we're probably playing basketball, right? I would say probably not. If you get basketball, are you going to do basketball where we do a March Madness? Like, there are all kinds of proposals on the table. In fact, everything's on the table. All of these leagues, everything's on the table. And we'll talk to Jeff Passan, the ESPN Baseball Insider, coming up in about 25 minutes. Just to get his thoughts on how is baseball going to pull this off? Golf will come back before any other sport does. And that's going to be the first week in June. But you can practice social distancing when you're playing golf. It's you and your caddy. And you don't have to have anybody else out there. I get that. You know, I was told uh, by somebody who uh, covers tennis. He said, hey, I know you brought up tennis that you could have social distancing. What about the tennis balls? If you're holding on to it, then your opponent holds on to it. Like there's, there's things that you don't even think of. Because I thought, well, hey, I'm on my side of the net. You're on your side of the net. We don't even have a ball boy out there. He said, but you're still going to have, you're going to be touching the tennis balls, and so were your opponent. I said, I didn't think of that. So every time we go, I got an idea. Here's my solution. And then you realize there's going to be potholes in every one of these. I plead with these leagues, these commissioners, patience. Really, patience. All right, McLevin, what kind of poll question do you have? Wow, um, I have a bunch of light poll questions that's good. after that. Yeah, you can lighten it up a little bit here. Well, let's talk about Cam Newton, if that's okay. Um, they released Vegas odds on where he might go. Which team of these in the odds would you go to if you were Cam Newton? I'll give you the Patriots, the Jaguars, the Steelers, the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders, and the Redskins. I would look at the Patriots first and foremost, because if I'm Cam, I'm going in to compete for a starting job. He's not a backup quarterback. Jameis Winston needs to be a backup quarterback. I, I just don't think Cam's ego would allow him to be a great backup quarterback. And, and by that, I mean... Is he all in and helping the starting quarterback? Would he go to Jacksonville and say, Gardner Minshew, I'm right here for you to make you better? I just don't see him. And Jacksonville would be another place that I, I would have him go uh, because he might, if you let him compete for the starting job, Pittsburgh, no. Broncos, no. Raiders, no. See, I think the Redskins are going to give Dwayne Haskins one more year and if they're one of the worst teams, then maybe Justin Fields is going to be the guy they draft. Uh, that's just a feeling I have with that. If you go to the Redskins with Ron Rivera, then you, you have to let Cam compete for the job. And I can't imagine, if he's healthy, that Cam would let Dwayne Haskins beat him out. I would start with the Patriots because of the upside. You might be playing in a Super Bowl. And you might have a chance to win that starting job. Jacksonville, if they give you a chance to compete with Gardner Minshew, the Steelers, no. Broncos are set on their quarterback. The Bears got Foles as well with Trubisky. That's a little bit of a mess. The Raiders with Mariota and Carr, you know, you go in there, that's a mess. The Redskins, you could go in 
as long as you get that commitment from Ron Rivera to say, Cam, we're going to let you compete for the job. Because the other places, he would go in and they would say, your job is a backup quarterback there. Yeah, Pauline. I was going to throw out the Redskins, but then that may make the least sense for the Redskins. They probably can't compete in this division, even with Cam Newton. They would probably just be, you know, at best like an 8-8 eight and eight team. And if you stick with Dwayne Haskins, you find out what he is. And if he's terrible, you get the number one pick in the draft next year and all is solved. Yeah, I think that, that that would be the approach I would have, that Ron Rivera is going to want his quarterback. Unless he goes, man, I'm all in on Dwayne Haskins. I don't know what that conversation was like when they said, hey, uh, Daniel Snyder talking to Ron Rivera, you want to be our coach. Hey, uh, I'm not sold on the quarterback that you, the owner, handpicked for your team to take in the draft. I'm going to guess he's going to go, hey, can, can we give Dwayne another year and let me see if we're going to make progress and then we can make that decision. Because if they have the second worst record in football, which is a real possibility, then are you on the clock for a quarterback? You're not going to get the best quarterback in the draft because it feels like Jacksonville is going to be in that place. But Cam's going to get signed by somebody. I just don't know if he if he's going to go in and say, I'll be a backup quarterback. Yeah, McLovin. What about a situation like Pittsburgh where Ben is 38 and then Cam could sit a year, get healthier, and then take over? like Kind of like Jameis might do in, in uh, New Orleans. I thought Pittsburgh was going to take a quarterback. I, th- I thought they were going to, like Jalen Hurts was going to be a quarterback that they would have taken. Um, and maybe they would have. Uh, you know, the Eagles, it's now uh, uh, reported that the Eagles said, hey, we missed on Russell Wilson. We don't want to miss on another quarterback like that. That's why they took Jalen Hurts, whether that's true or not. Uh, isn't it amazing how many teams were going to take Russell Wilson? But I always say, you had your chance. You went through a couple of rounds and you had your chance. Like everybody, yeah, we, we hey, we knew. We, we were hoping to get him, uh, like Dak Prescott. You know, we had a high grade on Dak Prescott. Well, you had your chance. I mean, everybody had their chance with that. Yeah, McLovin. Well, people ripped the Seahawks for saying they're geniuses. They did take him in the third round, so they passed on him twice, too. You know, Russell Wilson. I know, I know. You just have... <laughs> These GMs go, you know, I was thinking we were going to, you know, I was told that we couldn't. Uh, it's it, it feels like it's a little revisionist history there. Yeah, Paul. You can go back to the 2012 draft leading up to it. Russell Wilson was considered a high-end backup. They're looking at him as a really heady player, great scrambler, an improviser, a guy who led two programs to you know pretty good heights. He was not considered a possible starter. You can go through everyone's draft profile. No, no. I know. It, it's funny how that works where you'd go, really? Everybody knew this after the fact. It, you know, we're going to have this with this draft here. Somebody's going to say, hey, I told you, Jordan Love, great pick by the Packers. Now, it won't be me because I'm already on record as saying, no, not a good pick by the Packers. Yeah, Seton. I remember at the time thinking, man, I just hope Russell gets a chance. Well, we liked him because we it's- had him on the show. Yeah, right, exactly. And that that was, I didn't have any crystal ball where I go, Russell Wilson's going to be a great pro. Like Kirk Cousins, I thought, all right, you know, we like him. Maybe he'll get a chance. But I never was like, you got to take Russell Wilson. He's a leader. And Kirk Cousins, he's going to be a starter in the NFL. We were, I, I felt terrible for Kirk D. Cousins when he got drafted by the Redskins because I came in on that Monday and I go, 
Oh, my God. Our guy got drafted by the Redskins when they took RG3. He's never going to play. And, and Russell was in the same boat because they just spent a boatload of money on Matt Flynn. You thought, oh, he's yeah. coming in to be a backup for Matt Flynn, the new direction of the franchise. Yeah, McLovin. I remember you took us to the Big Ten title game where Kirk Cousins and Russell played each yes. other, and they were both throwing 50-yard bombs left and right. I'm like, wait, these guys aren't first-round quarterbacks. Why are they throwing 50-yard touchdowns every play? That was a great game, great performance out of both of those guys. But, you know, we tend to root for guys that we have on when they're in college, and then you follow them in the NFL. But we, we had no idea. You know, we're, we're right there with everybody else, but you start to hear this revisionist history. And we'll probably hear that with Jalen Hurts. Somebody's going to say, what a great pick, or that wasn't a great pick. Or it could be somebody taken later in the draft where, uh, you know, Jake Fromm. Yep, you know, we were going to take him in the, uh, the sixth round. Yeah, you know, we thought we'd, he'd fall right to Yeah, okay. I hear you. All right, we're going to settle on a poll question there, McLevin? Yeah, I'm going to put up that Cam Newton poll. Which team should okay. sign him? I mean, I think there's a fair question. If you were Cam, where would you go? But I don't know that he has all the choices. So I want to put up which team should sign him with the top six Vegas odds. Because this is really as a starter. And the Vegas odds have the, the Patriots number one? Yeah. And who's number two? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I think the Jags are number two. Yeah, Jags number two, then Steelers, Broncos, Bears, Steelers. Raiders, Redskins. Well, Steelers, yeah, yeah. It, it's, like you said, they they need another quarterback in that depth chart. Yeah, but he's he's not a he's not Duck Devlin. <laughs> like he's not Mason Rudolph. This is Cam Newton here. Yeah, is that the problem? He's going to be better than half the starters he goes into. If he's healthy, he's way better than a lot of these guys. But don't you want somebody who, if I'm bringing you in and you are better than my starter, then you've made my team better. You don't go, God, I hope he's not better than Gardner Minshew. I mean, look at the Bears with Trubisky. You can't possibly have Cam Newton backing up Mitchell Trubisky. It doesn't make sense. But you got Nick Foles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not bringing him in. Now, if you didn't have Nick Foles... And you brought in Cam, Cam could win that job. You know, the Bears want to see Mitchell Trubisky one more year, and then they're going to make a decision. Now, the fans have already made up their mind, but, <laughs> but there's a couple of quarterbacks here. Gardner Minshew gets one more chance you know, this year. I think Baker Mayfield is on the clock in Cleveland because with, with their draft, with that talent, I don't know how great Stefanski is going to be as a head coach, but Baker Mayfield's running out of excuses here. The Cleveland Browns have talent and should should be a playoff team. And, you know, so you're going to get that. Sam Darnold, is this maybe his year? You get one more year after this before you go, I don't know if he's our, you know, franchise quarterback here. Mariota and Winston, you know, they got their chance. They proved that they weren't starting quarterbacks. Now, they might get better, learn, and come back and have a Ryan Tannehill resurgence, but that's the way the quarterbacking position is. I'm going to take you. Can you start? Can I get that rookie contract? If so, great. Now we build our team. If not, I got a two-year window, maybe three at the most, and then you say, all right, uh, you're not our future. Now we got to draft another quarterback. Yeah, Paul. You were going to talk about that 2012 draft. If you look at the career passing yardage for the 2012 draft of quarterbacks taken, it's really fascinating. Russell Wilson is by far number one. Then it's Cousins. Then it's Tannehill. (laughs) Then Luck, who's done. Nick Foles is in fifth in uh, yardage for his career, and he's got a Super Bowl ring and MVP. Robert Griffin, who is a star, is sixth, and Osweiler seventh. That's a fascinating draft. But it just goes to show you, it's an inexact science when you take that when you draft that position. 
You got you got fourth round picks there, third round picks there, a number one overall. Nick Foles was a third, RG three first round. Like it's it's really who you get with your offensive coordinator, the talent around you. It, it's not just the quarterback himself. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, Bulls documentary. And when Michael Jordan decided that he was going to do the documentary, the day that he decided to do the documentary, just a coincidence or calculated by Michael. 21 after the hour. Thank you, Paul. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Jeff Passan from the Mothership says we will have baseball this year. We'll talk to him about what is the latest plan and how it works. The Pistons, at least some of the marquee players, feel like they're on a uh, apology tour. Isaiah Thomas is. Bill Lane Beer. Bill Lane Beer is not apologizing for anything. And, and I love that. Isaiah, for some reason, is apologizing for how he treated Michael Jordan and, uh, you know, and the Chicago Bulls. And I'll, I'll have that for you coming up in a little bit. I want to make sure we uh, have time for uh, Jeff Passan to talk about this baseball stuff. But. Isaiah was on ESPN talking about this. Bill Lane Beer, the former NBA player with the Bad Boys. Your nickname was the Bad Boys. You don't apologize. It'd be like you're the you're uh, the Hell's Angels. Man, we're really sorry. We might have done some bad things there. You're the Hell's Angel. The the Pistons were the Hell's Angels of basketball. They they took no prisoners. They made no apologies. And and you know what? It, the fact that they passed the blame onto the Celtics and said, well, the Celtics did it to us. Maybe they did, and maybe they were actually being truthful when they said, we were not going to stay on the floor with the game not in question any longer and be engulfed by these uh, Pistons fans. Maybe, 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 maybe. I will say this, though. Isaiah Thomas reportedly reached out to the Celtics, and it might have been Kevin McHale, to ask him, how do we get past you? And I'm paraphrasing here. He wanted to know because they kept running into the Celtics and they couldn't beat the Celtics. And Isaiah wanted to know how to beat the Celtics. And I think that he talked to Kevin McHale about this. And you'll see after that series is over, Isaiah is walking with Kevin McHale off the floor. So I don't know what Isaiah saw, felt, thought, but if I'm the Bulls, I hold a grudge because if I'm Michael, I hold a grudge. That's Michael. Like, I'm not surprised with any of this. I mean, Michael wasn't a good guy on the floor, folks. He was a spectacular player. He wasn't a good guy. You know, he would hold grudges, whether it was with teammates or opponents. He wasn't easy to get along with. He had his own agenda there. But what he did on the basketball floor was what set him apart. And the Pistons, don't make apologies. You're the Pistons. That's the last thing I want to hear. And don't do a sob story or we should feel sorry for you either. You're the Pistons. <laughs> you know, this is mean-spirited that we have to keep talking about this. No, you're the Pistons. You earned it. They beat you. 
You don't want to shake their... Would I like to have seen them as sportsmen? Yes, I would. But back then, there was no sportsmanship. It's, it was great TV. I wanted to mean something. I wanted it to hurt. I wanted you to carry that grudge. I'm still angry over something that happened in my senior year in, in high school. Let's get into it. Oakwood Lumberjacks, those jerks, they played a box in one on me. Nobody could guard me one-on-one. I'm still angry over that. And I'll carry it to my grave. I will. It'll be on my... my... If those Oakwood Lumberjack, they probably love the fact that it's I'm I, they're still in my head. But they are. They're renting space in my head. Guarding me with a box in one. Shameful. Wish like. Yeah. Soft. All right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this. We'll hear from Isaiah and Bill Lane Beer. Uh, that'll be coming up. Jeff Passan, ESPN Baseball Insider, and caught my attention. Apparently, we're going to have baseball this year. Jeff, I'm all ears. When are we having baseball? It's a great question. Answer is I have no idea. <laughs> Thanks for coming I, on, Jeff. We'll talk to you later. I was going to say, Dan, it has been great. Thank you so much, as always, for having me. What's the latest plan? You know, it's funny. The, the people at Major League Baseball, um, well, they don't like talking about plans, which is which is odd because to go forward, you need a plan, right? You need a plan. You need to have it well laid out. You need to execute it. You need to understand that there are going to be flaws in it. There are going to be stumbles along the way. No plan goes according to plan. And the fact that they haven't committed to one yet um, it, it's part of the process that they're going through right now. Now, I don't know if this is the right approach to take. You know, some would argue that you settle on a plan early and you do everything you can to make it work. But I think that what baseball sees right now is a landscape that we don't understand. We have no idea what next week is going to be like. We have no idea what next month is going to be like. And because of that, uh, their plan is to give themselves flexibility and work on all the details surrounding it that will, no matter what they choose, whether it is going to uh, a, a biosphere in Arizona or going to a three-city hub plan where uh, they have people stationed in Phoenix uh, metropolitan area, Dallas metropolitan area, and Tampa St. Pete area, or, or doing a, a five-city plan where you add Miami and Houston to the mix. No matter what they do, they need to have testing, for example, and they need to have umpires in particular places, and they need all these logistical things, and that's the stuff they're trying to take care of now. So when they do figure out what the best plan is, they can execute it. All right, but you say, and you're quoted, there will be baseball in 2020. Yes. And you, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe that. And I believe that because I think all of the parties involved uh, are extremely motivated to have baseball in some form or fashion. I also think that because maybe I'm trying to be optimistic in this time where optimism is in short supply, but I'm not allowing that optimism to guide me to this place where baseball coming back is not realistic. I just, I, you know, I see the country reopening, and I know that we're going to have stumbles along the way, and I understand that that's part of it, but I also think there's a recognition that getting back to, to life like 
some form of what we had before coronavirus uh, is an imperative. And in that baseball is going to be a part of that. It's not going to be a part of that with fans in all likelihood. Um, but I think there is, there's very, uh, there's a very reasonable way that games can be played uh, under a variety of circumstances. And it's just a matter of baseball figuring out which one suits all of the parties involved best. I'm also wondering, though, how many games that, like, is, is there a, if we can't get this many games in, then we can't have a season. Is there, is there an amount that they're, they're looking at? If you had asked me that question two or three weeks ago, I would have said yes. I think there's a, a sort of a point at which the season is not tenable. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think MLB right now and the players are considering every possibility. And, and there was one in the column that I wrote yesterday that I just sort of, like, honestly, when I was just sitting there, I dreamt up a tournament. And, and, and it was based on the fact that uh, an official said, if you, you know, something to the effect of give us 60 days, we could put on a hell of a tournament. And I think that that's true. Is it, you know, would it be like a championship season? No, but would it be something that could be different and compelling and still baseball? Like that's that right there, Dan, I think is what people in the sport are banking on at this point, that some baseball is better than no baseball and, and whatever format it takes, we're just going to embrace it. You get one question for the commissioner, and he'll answer. What would it be? When's opening day? <laughs> Good to talk to you, Jeff. Keep that optimistic uh, column coming. Uh, by, by the way, and, and I, I'm curious uh, to hear your take on this. Do you, do you think the optimism is, is unwarranted? And, and do you think there's going to be baseball this year? I don't know, Jeff. And I just spent 15 minutes starting the show where I don't like where we have these arbitrary dates where we go, hey, NBA facilities opening up May 1st. And then they come back and say, now it's May 8th. I think it's dangerous when we do this with our sports leagues because it trickles out to what we do every day. I think it gives us this false sense of, hey, things are getting better here. I don't know that. And I think when we, we want sports to come back, it doesn't happen magically just because we stomp our foot and say, I want my sports back. It doesn't work that way. And I thought no. the commissioner, Adam Silver, did the right thing a month ago when he said, I'm not going to put out any dates there. And then he comes out and puts out a date of May 1st. Now it's May 8th. I don't know if the NBA comes back. I've always I've thought all along that it wouldn't. Baseball, I could think maybe you get now a truncated 60-game uh, season. Yeah. Uh, college football, I think, is going to be pushed back. I think the NFL is going to be pushed back a little bit. I, I'm being op- I want to be optimistic, but I also have to be realistic, and that's really well, me, what it comes me, down to. If, if, if we still have a second before break, let me, let me come in here and, and tell you why I think the, the date thing actually has been good. Okay. I, think it's, I think it has shown that these leagues can be judicious. If, if leagues were trying to get back at all costs, they would be setting extraordinarily aggressive dates and trying to push for them. They would be bypassing public health protocols and standards. They wouldn't have a meeting today with 
the White House and their their public health experts that they have hired. The worst thing that could possibly happen to any league is for it to come back and have it fail. And I think we have to understand that that is the great uh, emergency break here that is going to prevent them from coming back before it's time. Can they push? Can they talk about it? Can they give us hope? Can they give us optimism? Is it false? Yeah, you know, all of those things are true. But I think when it's all said and done, the most important thing here is that the decisions are made in concert with health experts and, and not for poor reasons like profit. Like, if we can get to that point, that's where I, as a sports consumer and as a human being, feel good about the way that this has been handled. I just don't like when we talk about jump-starting the economy and we use sports because fans aren't going to be going to the games. That's how you jump-start the economy in the world of sports. If we're going to bring back sports, then bring it back. Don't bring it back while we're pushing the envelopes in. we got to jump-start the economy here. That's dangerous. That's careless. That's reckless, in my opinion. I think that sports can be part of it. And, and I think we have to, you know, I think one thing we have to understand now, man, is, is just uh, how different the new normal is going to be and how we have to adjust to these very weird states of affairs where people look at sports as something that can jumpstart the economy. I don't even know if it's jumpstart the economy so much as it is bring some semblance of, of normalcy back to life. And uh, it, it is a it is a hard thing for anyone to do. But sports has always been that very unifying figure in this country. And I think that's why people want to look at it, because in a time of discomfort, what is sports if not comfort? Jeff, thank you. We'll talk soon. Pleasure is mine, Dan. That's Be well, buddy. Jeff Passett, ESPN Baseball Insider. I understand what he's saying. I just get back to just being realistic about all of this. Because sports is about hope, dreams, optimistic. You, you want to be passionate about it. All of those things. We all want that. It just doesn't happen like that. This isn't a movie. This is a documentary. It's different. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lane Beer on the Apology Tour following the uh, Bulls documentary after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. A month before the draft, I don't think you had Cam going number one overall. At least I don't remember that. McLevin, do you remember if Cam was a shoe-in to be the number one overall pick in uh, in 2015? Kind of a sore subject, Dan. Oh, that's right. Didn't you have... I had Blaine Blaine? Gabbard. I'm like, it's going to be Blaine Gabbard. He's represented by CAA. And then I got a note from uh, Gil Brandt saying it's Cam Newton in like March. Forgot. Gil knew already. Forgot all about but, that. Sorry. Yeah, no, the mocks had a lot of other quarterbacks. Jake Locker was one. Remember that year? That's when everybody, and I liken this to you go into a bar at nine o'clock at night and you're surveying the situation if you're single and you go, oh, she's pretty and she's pretty and she's pretty. That draft, it reminded me of the guy at one in the morning who goes, uh, got to get somebody here to go home with me. I'll take you. And everybody went crazy. It's like, uh, Jake Locker's off the board. Blaine Gabbert's off the board. Like, it started going, wait, why has everybody got this run on quarterbacks right now? And none of those quarterbacks 
you know, they were able to stick. Yeah, Paul. I've got four different mock drafts within two months of the 2011 draft, and none of them had Cam Newton going number one to the Panthers. A lot of them had Gabbert. Some of them had Blaine, uh, Cam Newton dropping to the Titans around seven or eighth pick, which I think was Locker, correct? Locker went to Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. I think it was tenth pick. Tenth, maybe. Yeah, maybe, or that was his number. Now I can't find a mock draft with Cam Newton number one unless you're talking about a week before the draft. Yes, McLovin. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I think Andy Dalton Kaepernick went in the second round that year and hit big, and Ponder failed. Like the second round. Yeah. I might have the years wrong, but the second round was really good that year too. Check and see. I love Dalton coming out of college, but only because of. Was it the Rose Bowl appearance when he yeah. when he faced Wisconsin, and they he he actually was outsmarting Wisconsin's defense there, and I go, that guy looks like he's really good, and I and I remember going, I like Dalton, I think more than any of the other quarterbacks in that draft. Yeah, Paul or uh, McLevin. Yeah, I remember that because you were so excited to watch J.J. Watt dominate. Yes. You talked about that. It's like, this could be the J.J. Watt game. And they were like, they avoided him. They were running at, it felt like they were running at J.J. Watt because that's the best way to go after a guy who has, you know, great ability to pursue a play. You go at him so he can't, you know, run after you. And I thought, and I came in after that game and I go, Andy Dalton was great. And I thought, man, he... And then you start to see, well, he's not a first-round draft pick. And I thought, golly, the Bengals got a great draft pick here. They got Andy Dalton. I, you know, I was right there with you with my man crush on Andy Dalton. Uh, Fritzy's got his uh, scoreboard, by the way. Every day he does this. The numbers are 67 and 1. We need some hints here. By the way, play of the day brought to you by LegalZoom, making easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. All right, Todd, hint, just a right. hint. For 67 and 1, the clue is taken away and taking flight. Taken away and taking flight. All right. Taken away. Taken away or taken? Take, taken taken away. away. Is it something was taken is that, away? This like Liam Neeson? <laughs> Not quite like Liam Neeson. I will find you, I will hunt you down, and I will kill you. <laughs> this is taken away. Taken and uh, away. Bo- both of these are this date in history. So okay. That's uh, right. helpful. I have one. Now, you've already told people that you're basically, you're basing this off of this day in sports history. Not always, but today is, that's one of the hints. Because you said it's been getting too hard. I'm trying to... to well, no, I, I'm, I'm okay with it, as long as it's something that you can figure out and, and you're fair to people. I think, this is, I think this one is very reasonable. All right. I already have one of them. Uh, yeah, Yeah. The other one taken away. That's a little trickier. But I haven't, uh, I haven't seen this day in sports history. And if I saw this day in sports history, I'd probably. Which would that. be cheating. But I guess you kind of have to. No one knows off the top of the head everything that happened. Wait, how's it cheating? If, if you're uh, somebody who's watching or listening, you just say this day in sports history and you pull Google it out. It. Yeah, that, yeah. I guess you can do that. But it would be really amazing if you're able to, off the top of your head, know. <laughs> but what, that's uh, not how this works. <laughs> April 28th. <laughs> that's not, not <laughs> what take it away means. Take it away. It's a good thing that we don't do the This Day in Sports History show before this one, because then that would, <laughs> yeah, that pre- segment, we do at the end of the yeah, show. Very but end. this This Day in Sports History segment, very different. we yeah. do first. Yeah. When Paulie totally does it, thing. the final segment of the show, This Day in Sports History. Yes, Paul. Right. Yeah, nine years ago when I started This Day in Sports History, I knew someday Todd would do the scoreboard <laughs> thing and do it earlier in the show, mm. so I better do it later. Mm. Okay. 
He's very bright like that. He, he knew what, what was coming. Uh, McLovin, uh, did you settle on a poll question? You got yeah, the results up, from the first hour. Yeah, who should sign Ooh. Cam Newton? The Patriots are the runaway winner with yeah. the Jaguars being second. Yeah, I get that. If I'm Jacksonville, I, I'm, I'm looking at already tanking. I, you know, do I want Cam Newton in there? And I would say no. Now, he can help you this year because maybe he could beat out Gardner Minshew. But this is all about next year with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, McLevin. Same question for the Patriots. How do we know they're not tanking? I don't think Belichick does that. I, I just don't, especially after what just happened this offseason, that the Patriots aren't tanking. They, it, that's just not in Bill's DNA. He's got too much pride where, you, you know, he's not going to go out there and go, hey, I don't have a good product out. Because it's, it's reflective of him because he's your GM and your coach. It's not like where you go, hey, you left me with nothing here. You know, Doug Marone in Jacksonville is going, we don't have anything here. Hey, shut up, Doug. We'll have something next year for you. Yeah, Fritzy. He won't slip up in a press conference and say, we're on to Trevor Lawrence. I mean the (laughs) (laughs) Caught me. That's plus one for Fritzy today. Plus one. All right, coming up, Bob Saget's going to stop by. We'll hear from Bill Lanebeer and Isaiah Thomas as well. One hour in the books, Dan Patrick Show. 